Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. series today. We are, we're wrapping up the series, like I said, in this whole series, Jesus and We, has been uh, about the idea that a lot of times we take Jesus and we make him our personal savior, and it's all about Jesus and I, you know, we're rocking this devotion, and he's speaking to me this way, and just changing my world, and all these are wonderful things, but I really, I really need us to focus in on, on what the Bible talks about, and it's not so much a Jesus and I. So you can't live a Christian life isolated by yourself. In fact, there's all these one another's throughout the scripture, and, and it's about how we're to love one another, we're to, to serve one another, we're to pray for one another. You can't do one another's if you're all by yourself, right? And so this whole idea is that we need to do things together. It needs to be a Jesus and we, not a Jesus and I or a Jesus and me situation. And so we've been looking at that, and these, the values that we've been expressing the last couple weeks have, have really been, I desire them to be the pillars of this church and where, this, where we're going this year, Okay. And so the first week we talked about being, being faith-filled, big thinkers like bet-the-farm risk-takers who will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. The second week we talked about the fact that we are not spiritual consumers, we are spiritual contributors, that the church does not exist for us, we exist to serve the world, that we are, we are here for them. And then last week we talked about leading the way with irrational generosity because we as a church believe it is way more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? Really funny story out of last week. So I shared uh, out of this irrational giving. My birthday was this week, so thank you for all the birthday wishes, and and, uh, I appreciated that and and the the many, uh, the well wishes that day. Uh, I was walking around telling everybody, happy my birthday, happy my birthday. And... uh, but I, I, I told a story about a gift card. If you missed it, look, let me just tell you something. If you're missing Sundays here, you, you, can't, you can't miss out, right? Like, you know, I, I understand that, that you're like, well, Aaron, you know, I can catch the sermon on a podcast. Yeah, but you can't catch all these great relationships with these people out here on the podcast. So if you're missing out, you're, you're really missing out. But I, I told a story about, about getting a gift card. Somebody had gifted me a gift card that said $25 on it but only had $1.45 on it. And how embarrassing that was for me. And of course this week, I received a birthday card that had a gift card in it, and the $50 was marked out and $1.45 was written next to it. So <laughs> those of you that did that, I just want to tell you, you're my people and I love you. Thank you for the courtesy of the knowing that there's $1.45 on that gift card. I appreciate it. Because if you go and you don't know, that's really embarrassing at the checkout counter. You know what I'm saying? It just really is. But. So if, you're, if you missed any of these messages, you can listen to them on the podcast. You can even catch them for the first 24 hours after we broadcast them on Periscope. For those of you that are tuning in and listening, thank you so much for being here with us. But this week, I want to I take time and I want to focus on really the whole reason why this church began, and that is to reach people that are far from Jesus. It's to reach people that are far from Jesus. That's why we exist, okay? Uh, and, and I'm going to be in the book of Mark today. And I'm going to kind of start at the end of the chapter and, and, and pick up there, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter. We're going to kind of bounce around. But let me set the stage for what's happening here. Jesus is just being Jesus, and he's traveling around, and he's sharing the, the good news with people. He's saying, hey, the kingdom of God's at hand. It's time. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. 
And so he's out there, and people are placing their faith and their hope in Jesus. And there's one particular guy named Levi that he actually calls to be one of his close followers, one of the 12 disciples, the, the guys that were closest to Jesus. And Levi was a tax collector. You say, well, Aaron, that sounds like a good guy to have in your, in your pocket. No, that's not really. In the, in the Jewish community, if you're not familiar with this, in the Jewish community, tax collectors were considered to be dogs. They were considered to be outcasts. And the reason was because... If you don't know the history, the Roman Empire had come in and had taken over the known world, right? And so the Jews, all of Israel, are under oppression. They are being forced into paying taxes to the Romans. And the Romans show up and they're like, hey, we don't know who the wealthy people are here. We don't know who makes the money. We don't know who has the property. We don't understand the way you do things. And so what they did was they would take Jewish people who lived there, who knew who had the money, and said, hey, will you please be our tax collector? Basically, what they were asking them to do was to turn their backs on their people, to betray their friends and their family and say, this guy's got the money, this guy's got the money. Oh, and as a gift to you for coming to our side of things and betraying your people, we'll let you skim off the top and keep a lot. So tax collectors were very wealthy individuals, and they were hated by the Jews. They were considered to be dogs. And so the Jewish people, even the priests, the, the religious people of the day, they would have nothing to do with tax collectors. There was like, here was the Pharisees and the priests, and then the tax collectors were all the way down here. And so Jesus finds this guy named Levi, a tax collector, and he says, follow me. And what happens after that, Levi gets so excited because Jesus has picked him and said, come be with me, that he decides to throw a party. And Jesus goes to the party, and guess who's at the party? A bunch of other sinners and tax collectors. And so the religious people are looking at Jesus, and they're like, what is this guy doing? How dare he go to a party full of sinners? How dare he hang out with them? Doesn't he know that we've got dinner planned tonight for all the priests? Doesn't he know where he needs to be? Shouldn't he be with us? How dare he sit with the prostitutes and the lepers and the cast out of our society? And I love what Jesus says. We're at the end of Mark chapter 2, verses 17, verse 17, and Jesus responding to it says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, he's speaking to the religious people who said, How dare he be there with sinners? He said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Pause right there. Isn't that true? Look, nowadays, and in, in, in I'm getting like letters in the mail from my doctor. Hey, we haven't seen you for like a year and a half. And I'm like, praise God, that's awesome, right? And they're like, no, you need to come in for a well doctor visit. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not, I'm not taking time off work. I'm not, spend, I'm not putting it on my calendar. There's no way I'm going to a doctor's appointment when I'm fine. When do we go to a doctor? When we're sick, when things are hurting, when things are broken, we go to the doctor, right? And Jesus said, I didn't come for those that are well. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for those that are sick. He continues on and says, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Man, I love Jesus. This is who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the religious. He didn't come for the ones that had it all together. He came for the people who were broken. He came for the people who didn't know that they were doing it, maybe got themselves tangled up in things and can't get free. This is who Jesus came for. I'm going to show you a picture here. And go ahead and throw it up there on the screen for me, Will, if you would. But I want to show you this picture. And this, this picture is actually a, a recreation there was a drug bust that was done, and uh, one of the guys busted in, and uh, so, so I see a lot of you guys leaning. Sorry, you picked the wrong seats if you're over here. <laughs> these, are, these are new for us. These are new. Uh, we'll sort that out. But the, the, uh, this is a recreation of an image. There was a drug bust that was done, and the guy comes in, and he was a Christian, and he saw this, he saw this nightstand in the, in the hotel room. 
And it so shook him that he took a picture of it, right? And so that was for a different church, and they used it for a different thing. But I, I wanted to recreate the image. So let me tell you what we see here. What we see is we got, this guy's got a Bible. This guy's got Rich Wilkerson Jr.'s new book, Sandcastle Kings. It's a book all about Jesus. See, he's got a simple church brochure. He's been here in a connection card. He's also got some drug paraphernalia there and a, and a few condoms, right? This, who is this guy? How does this picture make you feel? What do you see? Think about it. A lot of you would look at this guy and say, well, Simple Church didn't do really good for him, did it? <laughs> okay, fair enough. But you know what I see? I get excited when I see this picture because I see hope. I see a guy who made decisions a long time ago and got himself in, entrapped in a circle, a cycle that he can't break free from. I see a guy who is searching for something. He is searching for Jesus. I see a guy who's battling addictions and doesn't know how to control himself. I see a guy who is looking for God. And that's who this church was made for. And you know why I get excited when I see this? Because all this that this picture represents was me. I'm that guy. Now, that's not my nightstand, I promise. That's, I mean, like, you know, like, <laughs> legit. <laughs> That's oregano in a bag. Y'all need to just chill out, okay? <laughs> but, I, but I legit... <laughs> Some of you are all sitting there like, where did the pastor get that stuff? <laughs> it's my son's nightstand. It's crazy. You know, he's like, Dad, is that really... Is that re no, it's oregano. Here, smell. You know? <laughs> but I, I get excited when I see this picture because I was that guy. I was that guy, and he was ser he's searching for things. So our church was born out of a desire to reach people like that, people like me who were broken, hurting, bruised, addicted, that were just in a place of being bitter. This church was planted for those people. We are to reach them. Because to be honest with you, it wasn't until I encountered God six years ago at a church called C3 in Pickerington, it wasn't until I experienced his love that it changed my life. It wasn't until then. Because I had been in church before. And a guy like this in most church circles would not be accepted. He would be rejected. Oh, you do that? You can't be here. Oh, you dress like that? You can't be here. And so we wanted to do things differently. We wanted to accept people. We wanted to love them right where they are. Love them to a relationship with Jesus. Not reject them. Not push them away. And so... When I received that life, that life transformation at my church, we said, well, we're going to step out and we're going to plant this church. We're going to take that healthy DNA from that church, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing in Reynoldsburg. We're going to give people an opportunity to come to Jesus, no matter where they are. And we wanted a church to reach people like that because that is who Jesus came to save. So Simple Church had to be different. It had to look different. A lot of you would come into this place and you go, man, this is, this is different. Y'all are like in a warehouse, and you can wear jeans, the pastor's rocking tennis shoes, and a, and a hoodie, like, and a t-shirt. Like, you know, this is not normal. You understand that. Go to church anywhere else here in Reynoldsburg on a Sunday morning, and your pastor's in a sweater vest and a tie and some loafers. You know what I'm saying? This is different. It's a warehouse. Wait, you guys even launched in a funeral home? Like, that's different. <laughs> right? This had to look different because it needed to be different. It needed to be different because I went to traditional church, and traditional church didn't reach me. 
Now, I went and I participated. I did most of the stuff that they wanted me to do. I, 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 I felt God's call early in my life, and I was always tendered towards Christ, and, and I had that relationship, but I can't tell you that it reached me, that it spoke to my heart and my life, that I was transformed the way I was six years ago. So I went to a traditional church where they had like the wooden bench pews, you know, it was wood on the bottom, wood on the back, and it was like, oh my gosh, it was hard on the back, all of it, like all this stuff hurt from sitting there. And we sang from hymnals. You get out the hymnal and you flip to a page and you sang those songs, right? And it was always accompanied by an organ. It felt like a funeral. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's a few of you. It felt... It felt so sad, and people that were singing, they had their eyes rolling in the back of their head like a dying calf, you know? It's like, oh, and it's like, what is happening here? It was not an experience that reached me. Now, I don't blame them because they were reaching people. It just wasn't for me. I, I, I probably just didn't find the way to connect that other people did, but it didn't reach me. And so, you know, even growing up, some of you, I even know you experienced this, even going to church, it, it was really difficult to bring a friend to church, wasn't it? Some of you say, I see them shake, they're over here, they're just bobbleheading. Yep, yep. Because you know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, you get on board and you're like, man, this is really great. I'm feeling this. God is doing something in my heart. And then you invite your friends. And when your friend comes, what happens? It's like silly Sunday. You're like, I have no idea what happened here. The tambourine lady has never been here. She's suddenly here and she is going to town on a tambourine across the front of the sanctuary. And you're like, dear God, why did I bring a friend today? Or maybe it's a special Sunday and they bring the evangelist, you know, and he's got a full-on like mullet that is permed perfectly back here. You know what I'm saying? And when he preaches, he screams, and God said, he calls the Holy Spirit hack. And that's how you know that God is in the building, right? This guy's going nuts, and you're like, oh, my goodness, why did it have to be weird today? How come, how come my friend had to come today? <laughs> it had to be different. We needed a place where, where somebody, we could, we could feel like we can bring our friends to church on a Sunday. And so as a church, when we planted Simple Church, we said, hey, we're not going to have any weird stuff happen. That pastor's kind of weird, but we're not going to have any weird stuff happening. We're going to remove the awkward from it so that we can feel confident to invite and bring our friends to church every Sunday. Because every Sunday is going to be a safe Sunday to bring somebody to church. And that's why every Sunday, it doesn't matter what I'm talking on. It doesn't matter if I'm talking about money. It doesn't matter if we're talking about sex addiction. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I'm going to present the gospel at every single service, every single time. So that we can connect people with Jesus. Every single time. Every service. Every Sunday. I want people to connect with him because that's why we're here. We're here to reach them. We want to create that environment so that they can get connected to Christ. We want to reach people that are far from God and teach them to follow Jesus step by step. So today, I'm obviously I'm going to talk about reaching peeps, right? I'm going to talk about reaching people. And, and, uh, and I want to share a powerful story with you that has four guys in it that, uh, that, that are in the first part of Mark chapter 2. And I'm going to read the story and then we'll kind of go through it, okay? It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, don't miss this. Instead of healing the guy, which he does do in a moment, he meets his bigger need. 
He meets his spiritual need, which, which was to have his sins forgiven him. So I want to I reiterate of our value of people, of our value of reaching people goes like this. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching will do things no one is doing. Let's say it together as a church. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching will do things no one is doing. That's us. That needs to be our mantra around here at this church. So how true is this for your life? Just like in the past three weeks, I've made you feel awesome about yourself, about this part of the service. We're going to do it again. I want you to rank yourself. I'm going to give you a scale of one to ten. One being I'm apathetic about reaching people with God's love. And ten, you're like Billy Graham. Like you are, you are. Now, none of you gets to rank yourself as number ten. But Billy, if you're watching, just know that I love you, bro. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, it's that, it's that, not this. That's rock on, that's love. <laughs> Billy, I love you. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm off the chain today, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I want you to rank yourself, and I want you to think about it this way. If you are somebody who is passionate about reaching people with God's love and seeing them loved into a relationship with Jesus, You'd say, hey, all right, so I'm somebody who I'm, I'm praying for. I've got a list of people that I'm praying for throughout the week. In fact, if you're higher on the scale, it's possible that in the past week you've led somebody to Christ or over your lifetime you've led many people to Christ and that you are, you are praying for them. You may have even brought somebody to church today. You're, you're higher on that scale. You're a seven, eight, maybe you're a nine. Maybe you're cresting a Billy. Others of you would say, you know what, Aaron, I, I actually... I'm kind of apathetic about it. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the other end of the scale. I, I've not been, I'm not praying for anybody. I haven't invited anybody to church in a long time. And, and I'm not, I haven't, well, I, I never pray for anybody to get saved because well, I'm, I'm so caught up in, in what I'm doing in my world, in my life. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to shame you. We're not going to say our numbers out loud. But I need you to, to decide where are you at on that scale. Be honest with yourself because if you're honest with yourself, we can at least know where we need to go from there, Right? Because being, being real here, if you find yourself somewhere around a two or three or a four, I would tell you that this is biblically unacceptable. And I say that with as much love as I possibly can. Because we can't, we don't just want people to come to Christ. We have to get them to Christ. That's the great commission. We were called to bring more people in. He said, I want my table to be full. We have a job to do as Christ followers, to bring more people to that table. That's our job. So if you find yourself down there, let's, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to believe that God can take us up the next notch. Let's begin to believe that today, okay? All right. Now, the rest of our time today, I want to share two big thoughts with you that followers of Christ are called to do to love people to this relationship with Jesus, okay? The first thing that I believe that each of us is called to do, and we'll see it reflected in this story, is bear some burdens. If you want to love people to a relationship with Jesus, you need to bear some burdens, we need to care for those around us that are broken. We need to care for those around us that are hurting, that are in need, that are confused, that are bitter. We need to care for them. We need to bear their burdens with them. In fact, the verse says, it says, some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, here's what they didn't do. They didn't call up the paralyzed dude and say, hey, we're going to a Jesus concert tonight. If you can get there, that'd be awesome. We'd like to see you there. They didn't just invite this guy. This guy had no capacity on his own to get where they were going. 
They had to go to him, pick him up, and take him to Jesus. It wasn't just an invitation. Hey, let's go get this guy. Let's, let's bring him with us. They didn't just want him to be at Jesus. They said, I got to get him there. I got to get him there. And what's a paralyzed guy going to do anyway? I'm going to come pick you up, and I'm taking you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't fighting me. Legit. No, please don't take me. <laughs> I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, legit. Some people, they're paralyzed in their life, and they need to just be taken. Come on. Come on, you know somebody that's paralyzed in their life and their circumstances, they're far from God. They need to be taken to Jesus. But a lot of us, I think we do what we call drive-by witnessing. You guys know what a drive-by is, right? Like you just like, like you know, and you may hit your mark, you may not, you may hit some other people, but we like take our tracks, you know. I always thought this was crazy. Why in the world would you leave a track like in the bathroom on the urinal? You know what I'm saying? But they do. They do, and it's always the ones that look like money, right? And I just get so mad because I'm going to pick that stuff up, and I don't care if it's in the bathroom on the floor. I'm getting it, public bathrooms, you know what I'm saying? And you open it up, and it's like, Jesus love you. And it's like, daggone it, but I hate who did that to me. <laughs> I just picked up a dirty thing off the ground in a public bathroom. But we do this drive-by witnessing. Jesus loves you, bro. And we're gone. No involvement. No connection. We hold a sign that says John 3.16 or we tattoo it on our bellies and we go to the games and we show everybody John 3.16. Like I'll give you an A for effort but a D for impact because you've made no impact in anybody's life. Holding a sign out there that says repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. God hates sin or hates this group of people. What are you doing? You're not making an impact in anybody's life when you drive by witnessing. And people are skeptical of Christians, aren't they? They're skeptical of your motives. What, when's the shoe going to drop? This guy just took me out to dinner, having coffee with me. When's, he, when, when's, when's it going to come up? When's he going to start talking about my sin and telling me how horrible of a person I am? They're skeptical. But what they need from you is to know that you care. They don't need you to shout at them, Jesus loves you. They need to know that you care. Why? Because people don't know or don't care what you know until they know how much you care. I'm going to say it again. It's going to rock your world. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They need to know that you care about them as an individual. They need to know that you care about their circumstances, about their family, about their life. And when they feel that connection, it opens the door to you. You earn the right and the privilege to speak into somebody's life when you show them that you care first. They'll look at you and go, what is different about you? Oh, and we become the shiny. I don't know why I do spirit fingers. We're the shiny. Somebody will take my man card after service. It's okay. We need to demonstrate that love for people by bearing their burdens. We need to bear their burdens. We can't just invite people to church. We can't just invite them into a relationship. We need to pick them up and take them. Hey, I'll meet you at the 915 service. Forget that. Go pick them up. Oh, that'd be different, wouldn't it? You mean I'd have to get up a little bit earlier to drive by somebody's house and pick them up? Daggone it, yeah. You might have to. Go pick them up. Bring them to Jesus. Take them. Bear their burdens. So these four guys, 
They get, to, they get this guy on a mat, and they go to where Jesus is. And what do they do? They show up, and the house is full. The house is full, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you exactly what they saw. There's a bunch of people in there tweeting what Jesus just said. There's a bunch of people with their cell phones going like this, shooting a picture up on Instagram going, hashtag hanging with Jesus. JC the man. There's a bunch of people looking at Jesus, and the guys that are in need are standing there looking at this. Now, I'll tell you what I know about this. I've been a performer since I was 16 years old. I've been an entertainer, a magic entertainer and stuff. And I know the second you turn your back on an audience, you've disengaged. You've disengaged. And I think this is what the church is doing. I think we're disengaged from the people that have needs. Why? Because we're busy looking at Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But when we're so busy that we've got our backs turned to the people that have needs, that's, that's a bad place to be. That's not where we want to be, right? Because where is Jesus? He's looking out. We need to start looking at what Jesus is looking at. We need to start seeing what Jesus is seeing. How do we do this? How do we disconnect people? You say, well, Aaron, I don't, the only people i got the back, my back to is the people sitting behind me right now. That's not what I'm talking about. We exclude people and disengage people because of our vocabulary. The things that we say, our verbiage, like, you know, we've got, we've got this. You know, this is why whenever we take communion, I've called it on a regular basis, pouring one out for your homie, because people understand that. They don't know what communion is, but the moment I say, tipping a 40 for your homie, they, oh, I, I got that. We have verbiage that disconnects people. I'm not familiar with that. Praise the Lord, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. How you doing, buddy? And people don't even know what any of that said. What did he just say? Was that guy speaking in tongues? It's a foreign language. I don't get it. Right? We ostracize people and leave them out because they walk into our churches. They walk into our, our places. They don't know what anything is. They're, they're disconnected. And we, we leave them outside. We've got our own look. We've got our own music. We've got our own dances. We've got all this stuff that is our own. It's Christian. And they walk into a world that they're unfamiliar with. We have our backs turned to them because we're busy looking at Jesus. And here's what we're doing. We're essentially letting them know with our backs turned that we don't care about you. You can go to hell. And we don't say that with our hearts. It's not our hearts, but with our actions, that's what we're saying to people because we're doing our own Christian thing. We are called to bear the burdens of those that are around us, which will take us turning our lives towards others. It will take us focusing on what Jesus is looking at. It means when somebody is hurting that you will be willing to change your schedule to go sit with them and listen to them. That when somebody's mother dies, that you're at the funeral, you take a day off work. Yeah, you were going to use it for a vacation day, but I'm going to love somebody this way. When somebody is sick, you're going to take money from your own pocket and make them a meal and deliver it to their door and pray with them. I'm going to bear somebody's burdens. Somebody's having a baby. You're at the baby shower. Guys, I know that's a stretch for you, but come on, we can do it for Jesus. When we do this, we earn that right to be heard in their life, and it's not just a drive-by witnessing. We show their love before we tell them. We show God's love to them before we tell them. 
The second thing to love people to relationship with Jesus is we're going to have to break some rules. Some of you are really excited to like, about that right now. You're like, yeah, breaking the law, breaking the law, bow, bow, breaking the law. You're excited. You're going to have to break some rules. Now, I wasn't so much of a rule breaker when I was growing up. I am a rule skirter. I will find the loopholes and I'll be like, Te technically, <laughs> technically. If you've ever played games with me or you've been in my house, technically, I didn't break any rules here. Should have been an attorney. Technically. But a lot of you aren't like that. Like, you, you guys know what it's like. You, you, you've been rule breakers all your life. Like, you never waited 30 minutes after eating to get into the pool, right? You never wore a bike helmet when you rode your bike because nothing's ever happened to me before, you know? Or you never put your seatbelt on because you always trusted that if you needed to slam on the brakes, mom's arm was going to come out and hold you, you know, in the car. And <laughs> you ran with scissors and with a lollipop in your mouth at the same time. Like, you were totally rebels. How many of y'all would identify with what I'm talking about? I'm a rule breaker. Some of you are such rebels, you won't even play there long. Nope, not raising my hand, not doing it. <laughs> you know who you are. You know. Some of you have sniffed a lot of magic markers in your time. I've done lots of that, which may explain lots of things to you. But I've also been somebody to question the rules. Like, why can't that be done? You know what I mean? Like, if I can sniff it, why can't I smoke it? Some of you are very confused right now. Some of you are going, I don't know if I should be upset. Some of you are going, can you really do that? This is the do not try this at home part of the, of the sermon, okay? Of course, all of you rebels, you're going to go home and try it. Don't. It's a magic marker, literally. Magic is the key word, okay? Don't do it. But these guys, the verses, since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. They're rule breakers. They said, we're going to have to change the rules here. So they go up onto the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. These guys said, I'm, I'm going to break some rules. I'm going to do it differently. I've got to get this guy to Jesus. We're going to break some rules. If you know anything about the roof during this day, the roof was made of, of beams, and then there was some mud and thatch and manure. And what would happen was, because of the manure, grass would grow on top of the roof, and people would go up there, and they could take a nap, and they could rest. They could pray, they could do whatever, they could be in solitude on the roof. These guys go up on the roof, and I'm not sure if they had a Boy Scout with them or not, because they're digging through the roof. The guy's like, I got my shovel, I'm ready to go. Like, how does that? And if it wasn't a shovel, then what, what's this guy doing? He's down on his hands and knees, and he's digging through this guy's roof. He's got to get his friend to Jesus. Now, what you need to remember as this guy is digging through the roof, one of the ingredients of said roof, because sometimes you got to dig through a little mm-hmm to get people to Jesus. <laughs> Hashtag, did he just say that in church? Yes, I did. Sometimes you got to dig through a little manure to get people to Jesus. Come on, you guys need to wake up and be with me. Come on. It's okay. You know what I'm talking about. These guys are digging through, and they open up the roof, and here's the scene, right? They're looking down at everybody that is now looking up at them. The homeowner's going, oh, my gosh, and his mom's over on the phone. She's calling the insurance company, five callers ahead of us, Jimmy, and he's like, the insurance is not going to pay for that. It's just not. That... Yeah. 
And so the four guys decide to lower their paralyzed friend down on the mat. And they're lowering. Bob, you got him? All right, we got him. Let's go down easy, Bill. Down easy, down easy, down easy. Well, suddenly they realize we should have had some rope for this. How much further down is it? Oh, looks like six feet. Well, he can't get re-paralyzed, can he? I think they had to take a step of faith to believe that if Jesus could heal the paralysis, that he could heal some broken bones and some bruises too, right? Amen? Come on. <laughs> they, they, lower their, they lower their friend down. They didn't want to get their friend to Jesus. They had to. See, obstacles didn't deter them. They didn't hit a wall and go, all right, this means I must not have, be able to do this. Some of us will be like, Lord, this is just a sign. This is a sign. This is an obstacle. I'm, I believe I don't have to get them. This is it. You're, this is you telling me to back away. They hit a wall and they said, you know what? We're going to get around it. We're going to break through it. We're going to get through. And they lowered him down in front of Jesus. I love hearing stories like that. I love hearing stories of people getting others to Jesus breaking all the rules to do it. I knew a guy who used to pay his employees to come to church. I don't know if that's legal, but I'm going to celebrate it because it's inventive, right? It's creative. Seriously. He'd pay them to be on the clock to come to church. You're going to work for me? That's what we do. This is a work day. And they'd come to church like, what are we doing? You're going to sit down and you're going to go to church. Oh, it's crazy. Anything short of sin, we will do to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people that no one else is reaching, we'll have to do things that no one else is doing. One of the things when you plan a church, they say, all right, plan any big events, plan big events, plan them on your property so people come to your building and they get to know you as the pastor and they get to know your facility and they're comfortable with it and spend thousands of dollars to do it. And God said, nope, that's not what you're going to do, Aaron. What you're going to do is you're going to partner with the city. And everybody's like, ah, I don't think that's such a great idea. And I'm like, I don't care. That's what God told me to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to partner with the city. We're going to be at all their events and we're just going to serve. We don't have to have our name anywhere. We're just going to be part of it. We're going to do things that nobody else is doing to win those that nobody else is winning. We're going to let the city know that we care about them and that we can share with them what Jesus is doing here in our hearts and our lives. We're going to do things that no one else is doing. Later this year, you're going to find out that we're going to, I'm bringing in April 3rd. Mark your calendar. Seriously, legit. I'm bringing in a former porn star and sex trafficker who got rescued out of that industry has changed her life. When I was talking to my spiritual leadership, I'm like, what do you guys think about that? And they're like, ah, that's kind of edgy. I don't know. Can you bring her in like on a Friday or a Wednesday? And I'm like, nope. No, because I believe that there are some strongholds in our lives that will be loosed and that people will experience freedom when they see what she's gone through and what God has brought her through. We're going to put her right up here on a Sunday morning, April 3rd. Mark your calendars. Invite your friends. It's Sunday after Easter. Really easy to remember. We're going to play rock and roll music during our meet and greet. We're going to have lights and smoke. None of that has anything to do with Jesus, but we want to do things that will bring people in. They go, wow, what is happening? Why, why are they doing that? Because we want you to experience a relationship with Jesus. We have to get you to Jesus. And we have to break the rules, anything short of sin, to reach people far from God. That's what we've got to do. We need to be creative to do that. If you go back a couple hundreds of years, who was the number one influencer in the cities? The churches were. 
The churches were those that were the ones that made the, the impact. They were the one that drove the arts. They were at the center of the city. They influenced culture. That's who the churches were a few hundred years ago. Nowadays, people are shocked when the church is innovative. Like, why, your church is doing that? What, that, what are they doing? What, they're on Periscope? The, the broadcasting? They're, do, they're doing what? They're serving, what, what? They're shocked when we're creative. Why? Because years ago, we delegated innovation to Apple. We handed off creativity to Hollywood. We allowed the government to meet the needs of the people around us, and we surrendered our relationships to Facebook. It's who we've become. But I think we've been, been that way for too long. I think for too long, anything that had the name Christian attached to it was considered second, second rate, second best. But that's changing. That's changing in our world. It has to. We can't just want to bring people to Jesus. We have to bring people to Jesus. Why? Because there's people like me that need a church like this. There's people out there that have nowhere to turn. And they need people like you to gather around them and love them through whatever pain they're experiencing, whatever addiction they've bound themselves to, whatever circumstance they've wound up in. They need you. They need Jesus. I see a church that is different. And I'm sorry, I get emotional. I'm, a, I'm an emotional mess. I'm really high. It's all the coffee, I think. Just give me a pass. But this is what changed my life Forever. It's Jesus. I see a church that does things differently, that will do anything short of sin to win those that are far from Christ. It's willing to do what nobody else will do to reach those that nobody else is reaching. I see a church that won't judge people that are without Christ, but will love them to a relationship with him. People that will bear each other's burdens and be willing to break the rules. People that have to get others to Jesus. They don't just want to. It can be different. People can experience the love of God in a different way. I see a church where people come and they, they learn how much you care about them. And then they go, what do you have? How do I get involved in this? How do I become a Christ follower? We have story after story after story in this room right now. We'll tell you, I came to this church and I sat here like this and I just looked around. Some are here for months. Some are here for a year. But there's a moment that everything changes. When they connect with people like you who love them, no matter where they're at, no matter their history, no matter their current addictions or state in life, no matter their financial status, no matter their spiritual maturity or lack thereof. You see, somebody loved me and it turned my life around and I've surrendered to Jesus. And then they go out and they do the same. And they give away what they received they're making an impact in this world. It can be different, folks. 
We don't have to just show up on Sunday. We can be the church. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to speak to every Christian that is in this room. You'd say, Aaron, no matter where I'm at on this scale, I know that I can increase in my passion, my fervor, and my love for others. And let me tell you, it should be all of us. But right now you'd say, Aaron, I, I, I need God to work in my life. I need him to expand the borders of my heart. What does that mean? It means expanding my heart so that I have room to love others, so that some of my selfishness would die, and that God would pour more of his love into my heart and my life so that I can love others. I need to love people more deeply and stronger that I can bear people's burdens. I can break some rules to get people to Jesus. If that's you and you have a desire to see that grow in your life, would you just let me know you're here by putting your hand up right now? That's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me pray for you, Father. I pray that you would do this work in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Empty us of our selfishness. (laughs) Fill us with your love for people. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Fill us with compassion, and not compassion that just goes, oh, that's really sad, but a compassion that Jesus had, that when he saw the needs of people, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. God, move us as your church, as a people, to love those around us, to bear people's burdens, to break some rules, and bring people to you because we have to. Lord, we'd say we're a three or a four. God, take us to a five or a six today. Lord, do this work in us. It's it's an incredible work that we can't do on our own. Help us. If you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I'm I'm not currently a Christ follower, but I want to be. That in this moment right now, you hear that Jesus came for people that were sick, people that were broken, that were hurting, that have been abused, that have been cast aside. And you would identify and say, that's me. I've never fit in in a church community before. I've never felt like I belonged to the family of God. But today, I I hear I can belong. That's you and you say, right now, I, I need to make a decision for Jesus. Knowing that when he, Jesus, walked this earth, he fellowshiped with people like you and like me. That he came for you. He paid a price with his life that you could not pay. He made it so that you could be right with God. So that you could be forgiven, transformed. And if you want to partake in that today, this is your opportunity. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be included on that, would you just shoot your hand up right now and let me know that you're here. Would you say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Right now. Now it's your moment. Don't miss it. God is calling. If that's you and you said, that's me, I want you, I'm going to give you the words to pray. You can pray them. Mean them in your heart. Out loud or in your, in your, in your head, however you want to pray it. Just mean it's Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. You died a brutal death and rose from the grave so that I could be made right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make me right before God. Clean me up. Transform me today. Make me brand new. 
Show me how to live for you and I'll spend every day doing that. Give me your Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.